Welcome to Risk Roundup. Phishing attacks are a growing global problem. As the phishing attacks grow rapidly in both frequency and sophistication, it poses a critical threat to individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia. In short, referred to as NGIOA. If we, that is individuals and entities across NGIOA, are to protect our information in all formats, it's important that we get informed about phishing. To begin with, we need to understand how to quickly and efficiently recognize some of the most common phishing attacks as getting informed about phishing has now become a survival necessity. However, this is by no means going to be an easy as phishing transforms to take on new types, new techniques and new tools with survival safety and security in mind and to help individuals and entities across NGIOA get informed on the phishing attacks, I'm delighted to welcome Alexander Bunt to Risk Roundup. Alexander is the founder of ClickFinish and is based in United Kingdom. Welcome, Alexander. We are delighted to have you on Risk Roundup. Hi, I'm delighted to be here as well. Wonderful, Alexander. So it seems that the phishing scams vary widely in terms of the complexity and the quality of the forgery. How complex are the phishing scams today from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, things have moved on massively over the last few years. Um, going back a few years ago, uh, we used to see a number of different um, attempts to, uh, to to steal information from people using um, really poorly worded emails. Um, and uh, and things have moved on so so well. I mean, these days, the majority of the time, you will uh, you will see very very well created and constructed emails. Um, Using uh, common common brands and themes that uh, that are commonplace uh, in, in, throughout the uh, throughout the world and throughout business circles, and uh, and that just increases the complexity of these accounts. Yes, that is very true. Why is there such a rapid growth in phishing? What do you think is triggering this rapid growth? Because. Uh, Users and uh, and human beings are always going to be the weakest link. Um, technology is increasing so so rapidly, and uh, and the protection mechanisms that um, that can be put in place are really well adapted to uh, to many scenarios. Um, but the one thing that isn't advancing quick enough uh, is the uh, the protection of a human being. Um, we we are always going to be the weakest link, and uh, and and attackers will always prey on that. Yes, that is so true. We are the weakest link. Very, very true. Now, phishing is the attempt to obtain sensitive information such as username, passwords, or credit card details. And all these, you know, the when the attackers or hackers, they're trying to get all this information, it is not for good reasons. It is always for, you know, some malicious reasons, some bad, you know, uh, things that they want to do. And a lot of times it is about money because if they get all that information they can get more money uh, so once they all this information they collect by you know all different kinds of means what happens to the digital data people say that it's always for money but is it always for money well, they, they will use that information to build up a profile of um, of an individual. Um, they can use that. They first of all, they can simply sell that information on the black market. 
uh, that kind of uh, that kind of information is readily available for purchase in many many different locations. Uh, but they can also use that to um, to further an attack. So they can they can gather information about an individual, uh, about the place that they work, about their uh, their peers, their co-workers, their friends, their family, and then they can use that to uh, to further attacks against those individuals as well. Um, and then it creates a domino effect where they move uh, like locusts from from one one place to another. Um, just consuming these resources. Yes, that is very true. How big is this industry, this fishing industry? Because when you look at the data, each year it keeps growing and growing. There are more and more attacks, fishing attacks, and the, all the modes change, the nature of the attacks changes, and it keeps just keeps uh, growing and growing. How big is the market cap for this? Huge, huge. I mean, um, organized criminal groups can, can generate immense sums on a daily basis upwards of fifty thousand dollars a day easily just through um through campaigns such as this uh so it's it's not surprising that um that people turn to uh, to, to that kind of industry um the uh, the amount of uh, of of funds that they can gather from this type of attack is uh, is just incredible and and it, and the the whole process is uh, is so simple these days so um uh, going back a few years ago people had to have the uh, the infrastructure and the know-how to um to to conduct these kind of attacks um these days you can uh, you you can buy this as a service you can buy phishing as a service uh online um, for very small amounts of money. Um, so someone can send upwards of 100,000 emails at the click of a button uh, and, and pay less than $100 to do so. Fishing as a service, now that is very interesting. That is a big development, you know, and uh, uh, it's very interesting. So it, it's said that phishing is an example of social engineering techniques. That's what you know it's commonly known. And it is to use to deceive users that is the individuals or you know any employee or any contractor anyone across organizations and they exploit these weaknesses because of the vulnerabilities or weaknesses in the web security web security is such a complex challenge and there are so many vulnerabilities there so all i missed all these complexities what can be done to deal with the growing number of phishing incidents it's really important to um, to go back to the the, the original theme of, uh, of defense in depth. I mean, um, training training the individuals is absolutely key. So the user awareness and user education is of paramount importance, and that's exactly why I created this company in the first place um, to uh, uh, to to help people to do uh, to to perform those kind of um, uh, activities. Um, it's incredibly important to uh, to focus on on the security of the gateway, uh, but too many organisations put um, the majority of their funding towards towards that, um, only focusing on on inbound risks. Um, the the truth of the matter is that the majority of properly crafted phishing emails uh, will get through. Um, there's nothing that, that there's very little that people can do to stop a proper spearfished email targeting an in, an individual um, because the the line is so fine between denying a legitimate email and blocking fraudulent email um, and and organizations just can't live with uh, with blocking legitimate email these days so um, whilst it is very important to uh, to focus on on gateway protection for um, uh, for the ingress uh, it's just as important to focus on the defense in depth and the strategies uh, of protection within the network uh, and on egress as well
Yes, very, very true. And like you said that uh, education and awareness is the key here. So how can we identify different types of phishing attacks? Because it's not just one type of attack that's happening. It's happening in so many different uh, formats and it's happening in so many different ways. So how do you, how, what to tell to our global viewers and listeners that how, how should you identify different kind of uh, phishing attacks? Well, they need to be pay. They need to pay attention to all um, elements of the uh, of the email that they receive. And uh, and the the best piece of advice that I could offer is is just be on guard um, at all times and be suspicious of everything um, unless it's proven otherwise. So there there are always the um, uh, the common telltale signs. So the uh, the spoofed um, uh, sender addresses, uh, the uh, the misspellings within emails, the uh, uh, the spoofed hyperlinks within uh, within emails. Um, but attackers are using more and more um, clever techniques, uh, ingenious techniques to um, to thwart users. I mean, just a, uh, just within the last few weeks, there have been reports of uh, some attackers using uh, abusing the uh, the data URIs within um, within the URLs uh, URL, URL browser bar um, to, uh, to to embed images um, within emails that look like download links uh, and then when a user clicks on those uh, w which looks perfectly valid uh, they get taken to a fake mock-up page uh, of a common um, uh, common webmail portal something like gmail or hotmail uh, and 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 then they users divulge information um, so it's very very difficult to uh, to protect so it's it's really about um, making making users aware and and re trying to reinforce that on a regular basis um, so we would recommend running regular phishing campaigns, uh, testing users um, for uh, to identify the susceptibility within an organisation, um, and and use many different varied uh, approaches to uh, uh, to to vary the sophistication of the uh, the, the attack, um, and and make people try and make the users really think about um, the the email that they're receiving and whether whether it's likely to be legitimate or not. Uh, they should always be on the guard and always um, uh, be suspicious. Yes, absolutely. They have to be suspicious and they have to be on guard. But Alexander, there are so many different kinds of uh, phishing attacks happening. It's very, it's going to be very hard for individuals or even the entities across, you know, any corporation or any organization, even government organization. For them, it's going to be very difficult to keep up with the nature of the innovative ways the you know attacks keep happening because if we look at individuals you know they will get emails that uh, somebody is stranded in foreign country and they are asking you know money to travel home safely or they you know get emails from their banks you know that if you don't do this you know that your account will be closed or from IRS or any you know legitimate organization so individuals they would get terrified you know a lot of them are not uh, comfortable or they not they're not understand or educated enough to understand that these kind of you know legitimate or legal letters don't come from uh, through emails to you know the organizations the IRS or any other organization the governments don't reach out to you like that they they have a different ways of doing things they send letters but a lot of these you know individuals they don't understand a lot of things and they all fall prey to this so this is uh, every day the nature of attacks keeps changing so 
how to distinguish suspicious emails from legitimate i mean yes they would know that if uh, you know you have to make sure that it's from the known sources but a lot of times we in business also we get emails you know from uh, clients prospective clients from you know marketing firms from you know several other organizations that we have not dealt with before so if we get an email that we have not received from a sender before how to know that this email is legitimate yeah it's, it it is very very difficult uh, and and sometimes we place too much reliance on uh, some of the technical controls uh, we uh, we sometimes um, tend to fall back on those too much um, and uh, and then we lose the ability to actually um, really analyze the uh, the email and, uh, and and see which which parts of it are um, are, are fraudulent um, you're absolutely right. The um, all people like uh, the uh, the IRS, um, the the taxation services, you, your bank, um, they're unlikely to contact you and ask you for um, for the for the typical types of information that is being requested by fraudulent individuals. Um, so people should always be on guard for those um, for those kind of uh, approaches. And um, uh, and if there are any concerns, then um, then but absolutely don't click on any uh, on any links within the emails don't follow up directly um go online and do some searching find the uh, the numbers uh, for uh, the phone numbers for the uh, the organization that's contacting you and get in touch with them um and explain that you've uh, that you've received this email asking for this information and is it legitimate but but take take it off your own back to uh, to do the research and find the uh, the uh, the correct contact um method for the uh, for that type of organisation, and don't take the uh, the information from from an email. Um, I mean, some of the attackers are are now saying um, we within their approach emails they will say, well, um, we totally understand that you may th feel that this is a phishing email, so call us on this number and we'll validate it. And of course, that goes straight through to the uh, through to the attackers. So um, first line of, first approach would be to uh, to do the research, find the numbers yourself, and uh, and approach them. Uh, something similar um, happened uh, just um, just last year, uh, where um, there was a, there was a report of um, phishing emails coming out targeting um, Hilton uh, people that had stayed at Hilton hotels, and um, uh, and uh, someone reported it to them on Twitter, uh, and they came back and said, "Yeah, this is a this is a fraudulent email," um, uh, but but it actually transpired that it was a completely legitimate email sent by Hilton um, but it looked so much like a phishing email that it was reported as such uh, and even their team their own teams um, couldn't discern that so it just shows how um, how how much of a fine line uh, it is to uh, to actually identify these um, these approaches yes absolutely and um, these people people who are getting more than like 100 emails per day it's very hard for them to you know uh, look at each email and think uh, cautiously that whether this should be legitimate or whether it would not be so it's very easy for even professionals even people who are in the security industry for them to take enough time to go through each email or to go through each link because they have so much you know so many things in on the task list and to go through all those emails and figure out that whether that this could be legitimate or with, whether this is fishy it's very hard because they just don't have enough time to you know focus or give attention to each of those so it's a very complex matter and cyber criminals also are installing malicious software on the computers 
that is also happening, you know, in there are so many different ways. So how to recognize phishing malicious software? How would we know? Because not many people would have understanding about the, you know, this kind of software that come corrupted. How do you recognize that this is a corrupt software? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it, it's a it's a problem that um that everyone faces. Just coming back to a point that you mentioned there about um people not having time to uh, uh to really analyze and uh, and validate the emails. Um, one of the uh, the really important things that um that businesses can do certainly um some of the lar some larger businesses that um uh, that that would have uh, a SOC a security operations center um. If they can provide their their employees with um, some kind of um, method or functionality whereby they can they can report um, potentially malicious email that they've received, uh, that then gets sent directly to a uh, to a SOC to be analysed in a sandboxed environment. Um, that's an excellent way for um, uh, for businesses to uh, really empower their users and uh, and and make them part of the uh, the detection phase. Um, but um, but coming back to your point on the uh, uh, regarding the uh, the malicious software, um, it's absolutely a uh, a, a key problem, um, and and not just just um, phishing, um, general internet um, security and uh, and 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 best practice really. Uh, so it's so it's absolutely imperative that um, that we follow core principles, keeping software updated on uh, on your workstation in your server environments. Absolutely. Um, making sure that you're running the latest browsers and the plugins. Uh, I mean, some of the most commonly um, uh, abused and exploited uh, pieces of software are, are browser plugins and, uh, and 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 things like um, uh, Adobe Reader, um, Flash, those kind of uh, the, the, those kind of kind of pieces of software um, that have been historically abused and uh, and are well known to uh, to attackers. And and coming back to my point on the uh, the phishing as a service. Um, it's just as easy to buy um, exploit kits online uh, that you, that you can um, tie in with these phishing platforms um, that that provide someone with a, a point and click exploit platform. Um, and these attackers don't even have to have the technical knowledge in in order to um, to carry out these attacks. Um, so it's absolutely imperative to uh, to ensure that um, all of your uh, workstations and server platforms are up to date. Uh, and that you have strong patch management uh, strategies within your organization to, uh, uh, to to ensure ongoing protection. You're never going to be 100% protected. Um, there's nothing, there's, we're always going to be one step behind or two or three steps behind, unfortunately. Um, but there are a number of different things that we can do to, to at least close that gap. Yes, we can close that gap, absolutely. Now, you made that interesting point that if an employee uh, goes through the emails and he he or she finds something suspicious then they should just forward that email to the relevant you know department who can probably investigate and find out whether this is you know in fact a phishing email but there are very i mean large corporations have those kind of resources where they have you know dedicated people or dedicated departments to look into all this but small businesses and individuals Across nations, they don't have those kind of resources. I mean, if you look at all the individuals, every single individual that is working from home or, you know, they are self-employed or they have small businesses, they don't have those kind of resources. So they see that email and they may think that it could be suspicious, but then they don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. What can they do? 
Yeah, um, uh, and and the options are are fairly limited for those uh, for those people. Uh, uh, what I would suggest is that if if they receive emails from um, from people that um, that they that they suspect are malicious, um, uh, but 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 aren't sure, um, I, I would suggest that they that they follow up with the uh, the, the the individual that's uh, that's sending the email. Um, if if it's if it's coming from someone that they um, that they know uh, a friend an acquaintance a co-worker something like that uh, but the but the tone and the message doesn't seem quite right follow up with them separately um, to, to validate whether they uh, they have indeed sent the uh, sent the emails um, if it's uh, an organization that we've, we've mentioned already if, we, if it's an organization targeting you that that you uh, that you just feel is not the, the correct approach. Um, then contact them directly, and don't don't use um, uh, don't use the methods that are outlined within the uh, within the approach email. Always um, always uh, validate the uh, the appropriate um, method of contact yourself. Sure, sure, absolutely. Now it's not just the emails, but there are also phishing phone calls. How to recognize that these are phishing phone calls? Because everyone you know falls prey to that. Every when someone calls, we pick up the phone. How do you know? whether you know that uh, you should pick up that phone or not because there are there is no way to know before you pick up the phone that this is whether this is a legitimate call or not yeah absolutely uh, vishing smishing uh, through through sms as well um it's uh, it's all, it's all um certainly going to be a problem and uh, and only it's only going to increase moving forwards um but again the um uh, whilst the um uh, whilst the method is uh, is different the um, the recommendation remains the same. So um, always be on on guard and um, and be suspicious of people that are approaching you in that way. If you're being asked to um, to divulge sensitive information over the uh, over the phone, um, people should know. And people are there. There is enough information in the media and uh, in the news at the moment uh, that tells us that um, uh, this information will not be asked for by. Um, by these types of organizations. Your bank is never going to be asking you for your PIN number, uh, your CVV on your credit card. Um, they're just not going to ask that. And um, and, and there, there is a, a big push in the industry uh, and in the press, um, to be fair to them, that, um, uh, that w they're trying to, uh, to, to get that information out to, um, to people and make people aware of that. Um, one of the reasons that, um, that this becomes so much of an issue uh, is the, the the rise of social media over the last decade? Um, these days, uh, within a few minutes, I can go online and I can build up a profile of uh, of virtually anyone, um, and and have a, a a large bank of information that I use that I can use to uh, to target an individual um, very quickly. I can I can. If I can't find their address, I can certainly narrow it down to uh, to a road or a town. Um, I can f find information about their their schools, their jobs, um, uh, not just their current employer, uh, their previous employment history going back going back years. Um, and all of a sudden, I can build up this huge picture of um, uh, of information uh, and and almost uh, enable me to, to to become that person in a digital form. And and that's a real problem. And I think, um, and and so it, it goes way beyond the uh, the issue of phishing. It re it's really we're we're really looking at trying to um, improve the overall security, um, internet security of uh, of individuals. And uh, and again, it comes it all comes down to user awareness and uh, and make making people aware, uh, and and really trying to just 
drill those core concepts home to them. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, coming back to the earlier point of discussion that we were talking, what can uh, individuals do if they find something suspicious? And I feel that, you know, uh, this will be important information to provide to our global viewers and listeners that in the United States, they can use FTC complaint assistant form and they can uh, inform, notify them and uh, submit their uh, uh, information that they have come up with something you know that is like a phishing scam and they can you know inform the authorities in canada i believe it is the canadian anti-fraud center that can provide support and i believe in uk uh, you can also report these uh, unsolicited calls or the phishing scams i'm not sure which uh, uh, entity or which organization uh, to reach out to as we find more information uh, from across nations which where to look reach out to which uh, uh, agency or which department or which government uh, government entity or individual entity who is uh, that can help you know individuals or small businesses that they can reach out as we get more information we'll up update that on our blog but at this point i have information only about uh, united states and canada and the uk i know there is an uh, agency but i'm just not sure what uh, that agency is so this is just for the benefit of our uh, viewers and listeners now yeah there's um uh, there's um there's um, a gov um, an element of the uh, the, the government um uh, called action fraud that um that you can use to um uh, to report this kind of information um but it's worth it is worth noting that um uh, that this kind of information um if you if you are a member of uh, a credit reference agency uh, someone like um Experian as an example um uh, these kind of companies will uh, will will provide similar kinds of services to um, provide you with um, protection of your online presence as well. Um, so uh, I, I know that I know because I'm a member of one of those credit uh, reference agencies and, uh, and, and I regularly receive um, alerts telling me that um, uh, that uh, a particular piece of information, an email address or something has, um, has cropped up in a, in a, in a site or a, a platform that they, that they are monitoring. And, um, and and those kind of uh, those kind of services whilst they uh, in some kind in some cases they can be expensive um they they could really prove invaluable to uh, to a lot of people um and uh, and 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 a lot of the time it um it, it turns out to be false positives and um uh, but um but it's 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 nice to have um an extra layer and uh, a little bit of extra peace of mind as well Yes, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that information. It would be very useful because we all need to get updated because we don't have time to go and read news or uh, look at every single thing that is happening across uh, nations all over the world, uh, where to look for. So if there is a service uh, available like that, that's very useful for, you know, mm -hmm everyone individuals as well as entities across NGIA. now alexander i was reading about uh, some gmail phishing attack that is happening these days and it seems like it's very advanced and very intense uh, it is fooling you it said that it's fooling even the very savvy security professionals what is going on with the gmail users because it seems that it's a very complex uh, phishing attack Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the um, that's one of the attacks that I mentioned earlier on. So the um, uh, so this this is where attackers are embedding um, uh, they're abusing the uh, the data URI structure, uh, embedding uh, to embed images within emails um, that um, that 
they look like download links for files within uh, within their email. Um, so then once a user clicks on that, uh, it takes them to a, uh, a fake page. Um, in many cases, it's a, a Gmail login page. Um, and then once users log in to the uh, to the fake page, uh, the uh, the attacker has gathered their credentials, and then they can um, uh, they can use those to uh, to um, continue their their exploit. Um, one of the, one of the things that's really important to note is that um, people t people tend to forget how important their email address is, or their email account is. So so the email account, in my view. Is is the is the most important account of all um, because it holds the keys to the kingdom. If someone gets gets hold of your email account, if someone exploits um, uh, some uh, some software on your machine and, and ends up getting um, getting control, taking control of your uh, your email account, um, they can use that uh, that account and the information that's contained within there to reset the the vast majority of passwords uh, that you that you might use. Um, and people very rarely uh, delete email from um, from within their uh, their email their personal email accounts. I mean, these days you're provided with so much free storage um, that there's almost no need to. So uh, the hacker has uh, all of that a wealth of information of all the services that you uh, that you use, um, all of the different social media networks that you're part of. And uh, and they can uh, they they can take control of all of those if they've got con uh, access to your email account. So the one huge most important piece of advice is to absolutely enable two-factor authentication uh, on your on your email accounts um, uh, on your personal email accounts and uh, and obviously this uh, that that transcends to, um, uh, to to businesses as well to um, to increase the uh, the protection that they have in in those those scenarios. But but for for general users. Um, uh, the majority of, uh, of webmail providers now nowadays um, offer two-factor authentication uh, with with incredibly easy setup. Yes, no, that's a very good point. And talking about email accounts, it seems that uh, since the email started, there was Hotmail, and there were so many different uh, nature of emails that people were using over the years. And now you know it's moving towards more about Outlook and Gmail. But the Yahoo and all those email addresses, email accounts were there, so the people used to use them. And then, you know, as they moved forward, they closed those accounts. But the information still remains in that because that has, even though they may have not, they have they may have stopped using that. The information, I don't believe most of the people would remember that. Let's delete everything that is in there. And even if they delete it, you can never actually delete all the information from all the data that is there on the internet in some form or the other. So all that information is there for any hackers to get into and you know get access to that information. So it's very easy to create the digital identity. And it seems that many spear phishing victims fall prey to the fact that the, all these hackers, they seem to know what, who, who they are, who are their friends. I mean, that also information they can get from social media also. There is so much information that people put on social media, pictures and everything. So they know, and even the, they know about what projects they're working on. So. How I mean, there's some information we understand that they are getting all that from social media and all those closed email accounts, and but there is still they have so much more information. So when when they reach out to you, when they hack you, or when they send you those phishing uh, emails or in any other format through the web or and phone calls or anything, 
it seems like they're genuine because they have so much information. They know everything about you. They know what you are working on. They know which company you are working on. And LinkedIn also provides them that information. We provide so much information on LinkedIn, where we work so far and everything they have. They have all the information. So how to protect amidst all that? People are too open. People, uh, people will divulge too much information uh, online. Um, so it's uh, it's important, really important, to to only divulge absolutely what is necessary. Uh, I mean, you, there is no need to uh, to put too much information on on LinkedIn. The whole the whole purpose of LinkedIn is to um, to provide a, a synopsis of uh, a, a, of your background and um, and uh, uh, and it's it's an opportunity to uh, to sell yourself. Um, but it's not it's not supposed to be a digital replica of your CV. Um, and uh, but people tend to use it as that. They will put information. I mean, we've um, in some of the organisations that I've uh, that I've worked for in the past, um, we used LinkedIn as a uh, as a source to um, to build up um, uh, a view of the, uh, the the company's exposure of uh, of information online. Um, so, as an example. Um, uh, you can often find, uh, especially for technical um, technical users, people that have a technical background on LinkedIn, um, they'll list the companies that they worked for, and they'll list the technologies that they worked in at those companies, and and quite often they'll list the, the specific versions of the software that they um, uh, that, that they that they worked on uh, during their time there. So instantly, you can build up a picture. You're already getting a um, a view of the internal architecture of an organisation, um, and all you've done is looked at someone's um, public LinkedIn profile, and and that's that that may be a, a slightly extreme example, but we when we were performing some um, so open open source intelligence to uh, to see what kind of information was um, was leaked out on the internet, uh, this is the kind of thing that we would find. Um, so, uh, so I, it's it's really important that um, that people are that the user awareness programs are are structured and uh, and delivered, not just to to approach the uh, the issue of phishing, but internet security uh, as a whole. Um, people need to be aware of the dangers, and uh, and 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 businesses need to to take the forefront and, uh, and and communicate that to their users, and it needs to be done in an engaging way as well. I mean, I've. I've worked in uh, organisations that have delivered very dry death by PowerPoint, and uh, and 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 no one takes that information in. So it needs to be what we're what we're trying to do, and, and our our vision is to 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 change the way that that kind of information is delivered to users and make it more engaging, um, maybe uh, gamify it, and uh, and and really just uh, just make it more appealing to um uh, to to the everyday user. Because if we don't do that. People won't listen. Uh, they'll 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 just click through the um, uh, through the slides uh, that they're delivered on their lunch break, and um and and they won't actually listen. And then, and unfortunately, all it takes is for for one individual to uh, to fall foul of um, one of these phishing emails, and um and then you've got a breach on your hands. I mean, you you look at some of the largest breaches in history, and some of the um uh, some of the, the the main breaches that hit the uh, the news over the last few years, looking at. Target and Sony, um, uh, they all start with phishing attacks. Or the vast majority start with phishing attacks. So it just shows how, how how prevalent and how much of an issue it is. Yes, yes, very, very true. And it seems that you are absolutely right about the LinkedIn, that we should not provide all the information. But 
mostly people provide all the information because they want everyone to know what they have done so far, what they have worked on, and where they are working, who are their colleagues, every single information. And I'm not sure why LinkedIn also asks for a lot of information, like if you're working on a project, who who else is working on that project with you? And they, they ask so much information. And people, without thinking, you know, they just keep providing. So there may be, there may be you know, across nation there needs to be some kind of guidelines about what how much information all these social media including linkedin facebook linkedin twitter everyone how much information they should ask for what should, what information they should not ask for because there needs to be some boundaries about how much you know we want to put on the digital uh, accounts everywhere so th there is a lot of information and we everyone uh, puts their business email addresses including i probably have put in there too so if you have put on the e business email address these attackers they can easily get access to that email address and then they know all your colleagues you know because of the information that you have provided that these are the projects you're working and these are linkedin always gives that ability that who else how many other people are working in this company or how many other people are working on this project so it's very easy to find out who else is working so the attacker he has he or she has all the information uh, that they need to uh, monitor the company's emails and by monitoring the key company's emails they are able to do much more than just send out emails they can do much more advanced phishing attacks isn't that true it is, but I mean, these days uh, the email address isn't treated as um, uh, as 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 secretly as it used to be, um, and and it's it's virtually impossible to uh, to to hide your email address uh, online. Um, I mean, anyone anyone can go online. Um, they can do a search using uh, using who is. They can pull back um, information about um, about the domains, about um, about the um, the email structure, about the uh, uh, the um, uh, they can perform some some basic Google searching um, to uh, to identify the structure that's uh, that's used, whether it's uh, first name dot last name at, at the domain dot com, and 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 that kind of information is is so easy to gather um, that it's virtually impossible to uh, to hide that kind of information. Um, so so it's really important to um, uh, to assume that that information is already in the public domain and ensure that the the counterparts that go with that to um, uh, to provide access into uh, into accounts um, the the passwords uh, the the two FA um, all of that remains highly secure um, so it always comes back down to uh, to, to solid password guidelines as well um, make sure that you're using different passwords for for different systems make sure that you using passphrases and, uh, and and not dictionary words um, make sure they're sufficient in length and and using um, uppercase lowercase alphanumeric special characters and the like um, and, uh, and and that they're, they're kept protected and um, and and absolutely always enable 2fa if it's um, if it's if it's available I mean it's certainly anything that has uh, that has that holds your um, uh, your bank details, anything like that, something like PayPal as an example. Um, all of these, the, those kind of platforms, uh, Amazon, they they all provide um, uh, access to to two FA, um, and they should be enabled by. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that they're not enabled by default. I, I mean, people have to. I had to go hunting for um, uh, to to enable the Amazon. I know that um, there was a 
uh, the, there was a loophole in the way that, that it was created. And, um, and, and at the time when I set it up in the, uh, in the UK, it wasn't available. Uh, for UK users, and so you had to you had to go and go log into your Amazon.com US account, enable it in there, and then all of a sudden it was enabled for you for the UK account, um, and 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 it it was really frustrating that I had to jump through hoops to um, to try and enable something like that, and so maybe we should be making those kind of security mechanisms easier and more understandable for um, for for the majority of people online, because maybe people shy away from them because um, because they can be seen to be harder to use when in in fact they're easier yes very true very true about that now i also heard that the hack attackers or hackers they can actually intercept and change emails for example i'm sending out an email through risk group uh, to some of my you know clients or to some you know other you know people that i'm working with and i send an email and that these hackers can actually go in and change the email. How do they do that? I mean, this requires very sophisticated hacking ability and tools. It depends where they're positioned. I mean, don't forget that the email is a clear text protocol. Uh, SMTP is a, is a clear text protocol um, by default, um, and, and people seem to forget that. Um, it, it, it's, it's sending plain text data across the internet unless you're using an encrypted channel. Um, and uh, and and pe people forget that fact. I mean, you, we shouldn't be sending anything sensitive over um, over email like that. We're, we should assume that it's being read by anyone, and it can be. Uh, it can be read by um, theoretically. It could be read by anyone within your your, your ISP, um, or not anyone. Uh, anyone with um, uh, the technical access to um, um, to the, uh, the the routes through their network. Um, it can be read um, via intercepting proxies potentially. Um, it's uh, there are a number of routes that could be used to um, uh, to gather information from um, um, uh, from the uh, from the plain text emails. Um, if 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 possible, we should be enabling uh, SSL across the um, across the email communication trail. Um, and uh, and it's it's also important uh, to um, uh, for for organisations to enable DMARC as well where um, where they can. Um, so DMARC just provides an extra layer of authentication protection to um, uh, to the to the protocols that are already in place. Um, so it's um, uh, there are a number of different things that we can do to um, to enhance that protection. But uh, again, it comes back to the fact that it's it's not a secure technology, and it should be should be treated as such. That is very true, and especially I mean, the, I read some reports that the attackers use military grade encryption to you know move their uh, data so it's very difficult to find out where once uh, the hacking happens once the phishing attack happens they get all the data they want and how do they take the data to where they want it to reach because they use this in encryption so there is no way to know even if you find get suspicion that you are under attack and that your data information is stolen the digital data but where does it go? It's very difficult to find out that because they all use uh, this uh, military-grade encryption. Well, that's the thing. I mean, if once the once depending on where the attacker is positioned. I mean, if they're if they're locating themselves um, on on the dark web within uh, within the Tor network um, within this encrypted sub-internet, if you like, um, there's very little that, that people can do to, um, uh, to, to, to gather that information and to, and to trace them back. Like you said, they, um, they hide their, their, their presence behind, behind numerous um, uh, 
IP addresses, they will bounce their connection through through a huge number of intermediary devices, and uh, and and they'll they'll evade detection. Um, the uh, the the, the nation-state attackers, if you like, um, who are, who are, seem to be the, uh, the the cream of the crop as far as the uh, um, uh, the hackers are concerned, um, th they will not be tracked down. There is there is very little that can be done to actually uh, to to retrieve these um, uh, their identity. So um, all that we can do is um, put as many protection mechanisms in place to follow best practices. There are, uh, whilst we're always going to be a few steps behind, there are uh, numerous opportunities to uh, to close that gap, and um, especially given some of the things that we've already talked about. Yes, very true, very true. Now, another surprising fact that uh, it remains is that once these phishing at uh, attackers or you know hackers, they get into your computer or your organization's computer or networks or you know they don't just you know come in and they get out they take the information and they go away they stay in there for probably months or years and still a lot of organizations they don't know that they have those hackers or you know that are in their systems for probably months and years they just go unnoticed this is you know very difficult i mean to from a security perspective that there are hackers within your system that is always there and they're taking your data and you don't even know that and from what it seems that you know the log files the it departments you know they uh, they have to keep a track of their log files but probably they don't even a lot of them they don't even enable that and they don't even check their logs on a routine basis. So uh, these kind of events that, you know, the hackers have been in the, within the systems for months and years, that is a really a cause of concern. Yeah, I mean, that's the typical hallmark of an advanced persistent threat, really, isn't it? So um, there are, again, there are a, a number of technical measures that can be put in place that can, that can um, not... They, they can't stop this kind of attack, um, but they can certainly, they, they can't prevent it, but they can certainly help to um, uh, to lessen the, um, uh, the the time that it takes to actually identify this kind of breach. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's very important that um, organizations, um, if they are able to, um, if they have a security operations center or if they have security um, information and event monitoring um, platforms that they um, that they feed that uh, that those platforms with um, they, they take feeds from as many of their internal systems as possible and uh, and and this is this is the bread and butter for those kind of organizations that um, that develop these platforms they um, this is what they do they they analyze that kind of data and they identify anomalies they use um, various different types of detection mechanisms to um, uh, to to identify uh, what looks bad from what looks good and uh, and alert that uh, and it's that they are prone to false positives um, and that's where it comes down to having um, an experienced team of individuals um, of um, security operatives that can follow up on that information and uh, they can analyze and, uh, and identify whether it's it's something that needs um, further investigation or not Absolutely, absolutely. But even let's say, you know, these security professionals go in and identify and analyze it and then they find a diagnosis that yes, they, you know, there is a attacker. And, but then they find out that the attacker is uh, not, 
within your the nation he's from some other country where there is no legal jurisdiction or the you know the warrants won't work so even if we identify the hacking firm or hackers or even if we have the addresses there is not much that can be done and that's why probably the attackers or these hackers they are not afraid of getting caught because there are no consequences for their actions nations don't go to war for small small uh, breaches like that so and there is no global governance there are no global you know standards no global guidelines so uh, it looks like you know everyone is just having a freedom in whatever they want to do i know it's kind of like the wild west um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. Um, all the, the organisations. I mean, I, I'm talking from from my own experience in in the UK. Um, but um, uh, but if, if we identified some um, um, some perpetrators within the network, we wouldn't be going after them directly. Um, that's where the the law enforcement needs to come in, and uh, that information would be gathered. It would be handed to the law enforcement agencies, and they would and they would take that forward in the um, um, in the best way that they see fit. Now, our, our um, law enforcement and government agencies in the UK work hand in hand with um, with those across the globe as well, and uh, and and they're all um, operating together to try and make um, make make the the online world a better place. Um, so it's um, it, there are things being done, um, but as we've said a number of times already, it's uh, we we're always going to be a, a step behind because the um, uh, unfortunately the hackers have. Um, almost unlimited time and, and pretty much unlimited resources as well. Uh, they have huge levels of funding um, available to them because, because the, unfortunately, the crime pays uh, and, and, and that's why they continue to do it. That's very true. They continue to do it. So uh, let's talk a little bit specifically about spear phishing. How is it different from deceptive phishing so that you know our global viewers and listeners can understand where the difference is so spear phishing um as the name suggests is targeted so we've already covered um a short while ago the uh, the subject of social engineering um so uh, so i could use the information that's available to me, openly available to me online uh, to build up a profile of an individual um, and then i can use that information to then target them and make the approach seem that much more realistic um, so take yourself i could find out um, i could look at your social media profile i could uh, find out based on based upon photos that have been posted as an example um, what kind of interests you have um, maybe there's uh, there are uh, pictures of, of traveling as a uh, as one example and then I could use that information um, to uh, to approach you in such a way uh, that that we uh, that we strike up a bond between us um, and it's not that spear phishing isn't just about one single email um, designed to uh, to catch an individual. Um, it might it might be built up over a uh, over a number of individual uh, a number of different emails, different approaches um, to, uh, to to strike up that kind of relationship and um, uh, and 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 really kind of build a bit of trust. Uh, and, and then at that point, um, they can uh, they can deliver um, something something malicious and uh, it. What once you've once you've already built up that kind of trust with an individual, it's uh, it's very difficult to um, uh, to distrust them afterwards. Yes, very true. Now it, it seems there is also like executives of a com organizations or companies, they also get victimized. There is something called uh, CEO fraud. How does that? Uh... 
or, or uh, it's commonly called whaling as well um kind of, kind of going after the um uh, going after the, uh, the the sea level executives um typically people um attackers will go after those those individuals um because they have access to um high net worth information so they might have um uh, if you're talking about um some large uh, Fortune 500 companies, as an example, they might have information about um, acquisitions and mergers uh, that could be useful in uh, trading on the stock market to um, uh, to, to to place um, uh, unauthorized trades to, uh, to to profit from that. Um, but quite quite often, if um, if an if an attacker is trying to gain a foothold in an organisation. Um, the last person that they should really be uh, be targeting is a is a C level executive because typically they will have they will have less access, uh, less technical access, less network access than the majority of other people because they simply don't need it. Um, so it really depends on the motive of the uh, of the attacker. If they if they want to um, uh, to gain information, inside information about an organisation, then absolutely C level executives might be the way forward. Um, if they're trying to get a foothold in the organisation. Um, then they're probably better off targeting uh, some technical users that uh, that are likely to have those um, uh, those those uh, uh, the, those accesses to uh, to the areas of the network that um, that hold the, the the useful information. Yes, very true. Now there's also something called Dropbox phishing, right? Yeah. How how does that uh, uh, function, and how can individuals protect from that Dropbox phishing? Do, do you mean um, what? What targeting people's Dropbox accounts? Yes, Dropbox accounts. Okay, I, I mean, working in a very, very similar way. So, so they would they would receive um, emails um, purporting to be from uh, a system such as Dropbox, um, telling them that uh, that a, a file has been shared with them, as an example. I mean, that's one of the uh, one of the mechanisms that we use um, within Clickfish is um, to uh, uh, as a typical approach method as a file transfer uh, campaign template. Um, so uh, it's really about um, uh, the the attackers will will use various different types of techniques to uh, to, to come up with um, uh, ingenious ways to get people to click on links. Um, a lot of people will will click on links just because they are uh, they're just interested to, uh, to to see what's at the end of it, and, and that's that's why it's called phishing. That's very true. Now, are there any? You mentioned about the service where you get education and uh, awareness about all the different kind of uh, uh, these phishing attacks uh, that are going. So you can get educated and you can uh, prevent those kind of uh, attacks happening on your computers, or you don't get trapped. But are there any services available for fish filters, like spam filters? Is there anything available like that? For um, for for standard non-business users, are you talking about, or for both? Both. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, for um, uh, many many of the, uh, the the web email clients these days have um, have got excellent filters built in that um, uh, that, that detect uh, the vast majority of, um, uh, of certainly of spam. Um, but again, there's coming coming back to the point on phishing. There's 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 very little that you can do to um, uh, to stop uh, an email getting into an, an inbox um, that's come from a, uh, a legitimate email address. Um, it, it's quite it's quite easy to craft an email that will get through filters um, and uh, and embed um, links within the email uh, that take you to a malicious website. 
it can be a valid it can be a valid link and it can be a valid email address um, but the site at the end can be a, can still be a malicious website um, so so it's very difficult to uh, to actually block that um, from a business perspective uh, there are numerous providers that um, uh, that will provide gateway protection um, to uh, to filter um, filter inbound email uh, there are, uh, I mean, there are more than certainly more than twenty available of it just in the UK alone, um, and uh, and they all they all offer uh, excellent service. Um, so they will they will operate in different ways. They'll uh, they'll analyze email coming through. They work on a uh, on a reputational and heuristic basis. So they will they will analyze each message coming through. They'll apply a score based on um, uh, the composition of certain words within the email, um, and then uh, and it works. Simply on threshold. So, if um, if a particular uh, email matches a certain goes over a certain threshold, then uh, then the email will be quarantined. Yes, very true, very true, and that that will definitely help. Now, what would you? Uh, there is so much that we still can talk, Alexander. There are so many different kinds of phishing attacks happening, and there is so much information that uh, can be covered so that we can educate and. Uh, create awareness for everyone across nations but we have limited time it's uh, almost one hour since we started uh, discussing this so uh, let, let's just talk about few last points uh, before we finish the session is that what would you like to change for how phishing attacks are managed today so our vision is to uh, to change the way that that kind of training is delivered. So, what what we currently provide is uh, is a service that um, enables businesses and consultancies to send phishing emails uh, using a variety of different campaigns to track responses, and uh, and then they can identify uh, exactly where their training is working and where it isn't. Um, one thing that uh, that I don't feel is being done in the market at the moment is um, really interactive and engaging user awareness training. So um, some people are uh, they're on the cusp, but they're on the verge of uh, of delivering that kind of thing. Um, but I still don't think anyone has has truly cracked it yet in such a way that actually makes it um, interesting for the uh, for the typical end user. And until people actually get interested in it and and understand what the problem is, why it's a problem, and what can be done to, to address it, then uh, people's perception of the risk isn't going to change. Um, people will continue to, uh, to, just, to just carry on and, and be blasé with, with, uh, uh, with the whole subject of email security. So it's really about getting people engaged and uh, getting people interested in the subject. Very true, very true, no very good advice. So what would you like to convey to our global viewers and listeners about your initiative, your organization, ClickFish, and where would where can they go to get more information? And if they want to reach out to you to get further information or if they want to ask you anything or uh, talk more about you know what you can do for their organizations, uh, where can they reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So they can come to our website, uh, www.clickfish.com. Um, so we've got a lot of information on there. They can sign up for a, uh, a trial account, a full full trial of the platform. Um, they can they can fish themselves with a with a load of trial campaigns and see how the uh, the platform works. Uh, they can email me personally. Um, so uh, so my email address is alexander.bun at clickfish.com um, or get us on on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter. Uh, the uh, all of the information is on the website. Um, and uh, and and I, I would really urge people to uh, to get in touch because we're looking at delivering 
uh, a lot of exciting new features over the next over the coming months. Uh, things that um, that I don't believe are being done in the market at the moment. So um, uh, so yeah, I'd ask people to to get in touch, and uh, and we'll keep them informed. Great, wonderful, Alexander. So thank you so much for participating in the Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on advanced phishing attacks and all the information that you shared with our global viewers and listeners. I'm sure that they would benefit tremendously from what you had to say about phishing and how can they protect themselves. So even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to protect themselves based on the fishing, fishing discussion we had today, this risk roundup dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Absolutely, yeah, uh, so that's my pleasure. Wonderful. So advanced phishing attacks are becoming a cause of concern. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIOA in CTS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.